Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Value Guys Stock Talk Show with the Value Guys. I'm Val Hughes. And I'm Momentum. And we are 40-year Wall Street analysts who have had to take on secret identities and go underground in order to provide you with a handful of stock ideas here on the show each week. You've seen our faces on TV. You've seen us quoted in the news, but our bosses would never allow our unfiltered views on the air. So we've disguised our voices and they'll never know. This week, we have three exciting ideas, um, or modestly exciting. Um, two value, what's that? I think they're exciting. Exciting. Yeah, two value names and one kind of momentum name. And um, we can't wait for that. But before that, a couple of really super important caveats. One, this show is for entertainment purposes only. That's not a guarantee. Secondly, Mo and I are professional Wall Street analysts during the week. We do a lot of careful analysis, 10-year forecasts. We interview management. And we've been careful to do absolutely none of that here on the show. Uh, in fact, um, our interests are uh, not in line with yours, and uh, we may have our own greedy interests in mind. So, uh, and then finally, our final caveat is I've been heavily drinking. So um, I'm trying to downplay that a little bit now, Mo. But I can't get away from it. Um, see all our disclosures, pictures our moms took, our uh, real secret identities at www.thevalueguys.com. And uh, we've got, this is our 304th show. We've got a lot of shows out there. Uh, so I encourage you to go take a listen. Uh, so exciting show this week. Um, I'd like to kick it off with um, a little bit of uh, Wall Street news with uh, momentum. Well, I what I do you say, to, Mo? I want to sort of semi throw the ball back in your court and oh, ask, okay. ask you a question as part of as the, or the opening part of the show. Yeah. You know, I'm down in Florida. We're now a COVID hotspot again. Yeah. And we're getting word that some of the recreational facilities around here are now closing again. So they, they were closed, they opened, and now they're starting to close. They may not even open up the schools. So are you, are you looking at any of this when you're looking at your names, when you're looking at stocks, when you're looking at indices that we may actually have a second shutdown? And I mean, I don't know, the economy can even withstand that. Well, I mean, part of this shutdown, in my opinion, is, uh, is, is in part uh, driven by what we can do. So we're a wealthy world. Uh, we, we were able to do this shutdown, but I don't think we can afford it again. I don't think there's enough money. And frankly, uh, as an analyst trying to just estimate how many people will go out to dinner, how many people will go into hotels, I think we uh, recommended Middleby a few you know, shows ago, which makes ovens. Um, I, I watch the death rates and I watch Sweden, which is a nice uh, experiment because they're kind of, you know, taking a different approach. And the death rates are, are, uh, are not spiking. Um, I think that the, uh, you know, the testing is speeding up. So the cases are speeding up, but the death rates, uh, even in Florida, I read the news, uh, Mo, that despite the upsurge and the government action, there was a 0.8% increase in the deaths. Like I think 14 additional people died in Florida, which has how many million people? 30 million. Right. Um, so 14 additional people, which is causing, I, I think there's a lot more going on with newspapers than 
you know, the actual numbers that analysts should be looking at, just like always, they need to sell papers and we need to sell papers. So let me do something right now to get our listeners going and try to build up our readership. There. So now, now hopefully our ad revenues will go up. So I, I just, I watch the deaths and, uh, I think there's, uh, I, I don't think if there is a closing, it's going to affect too much at this point. My, my, my opinion, I may, I hope I'm wrong or I hope I'm right. I, whichever one works out for our stocks, you know. We'll check in with that next week because yeah. it's been one of the themes that I've been looking at for stocks that I've been picking out, like, you know, what, what could thrive in, a, in an environment where you have potential shutdowns and yeah. uh, no spoiler alert here, but um, one of the things that everyone's doing here that you can do, it, because it's it's predicated on social distancing is golf. You ever see a golf course? You know you don't see big crowds of people on them. You see a lot of social distancing. Although I guess shotguns shotguns are are no no. But um, but yeah, tea time, etc. Back to normal a little bit. Were you were you out? Have you been out on the course a little bit, Mo? You look like you have a maybe a little uh, a little sunburn or no? Is that yeah. just the 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 uh, filter last week we did hot from the yacht and this is coming right from the right from the clubhouse at the golf course and people are talking about callaway golf callaway and golf callaway golf the the stock not the clubs mm. and uh okay when i kind of looked at it i thought wow this is this is a, a real excuse me this is a real name that could could do well in a in, a, in an environment where <laughs> some restaurants down here may be shutting down other businesses may be shutting out they're actually talking about not opening up the schools that's being voted on in the next week but the, not opening up the public schools doing 100 percent distance well, what are students going to do other than maybe golf drive their parents crazy yeah yeah uh, uh, <laughs> uh, and they've closed the bars so what else can a kid do you know where are you going to drink but out on the golf course, right? And it's one of the few sports where it, drinking during the game is actually encouraged. And so All right. So are you, are you recommending uh, to our listeners uh, that they take a look at this one, Mo? Or? Well, you want to talk about it? Or did you want to go uh, back for a minute and talk about well, it? Well, I had a couple of thoughts. from. Yeah, I do want to talk about it. But, yeah, you know, that. in terms of what's working and not working, um, a couple of interesting things happened this week. First, Albertsons, the food store that little grocery store. Now they've gotten bigger. They've done some acquisitions over the years, but this pandemic has helped them because uh, more people are cooking their own meals and they're cooking them at home and, um, and, and they're, they're buying them from Albertsons. They did the, this IPO and they own some other things in there. I think they bought Safeway and stuff, but to your point, what's working? Grocery, Amazon's been working, Papa John's delivery. Um, and I want to say I feel awful for small businesses, restaurants, and, and, and some of those uh, discretionary spending categories that have been not only shut down by COVID, but by, um, by looters and things. And so that area has taken a big hit. But I've got some numbers later about GDP and stuff. It's not as bad as you think, Mo. Also, people can Google this up. Um, McDonald's just reported numbers that, yeah, they were pretty bad in April, but they're not as bad as you'd think in May. Uh, Carol's Restaurant has a lot of Burger Kings, and uh, those were down a lot. They're back a little bit. So there's some green shoots out there, Mo. Green shoots. Well, you know, I'm just trying to talk in the economist talk. 
Oh, but there's little signs of hope. Let's say I that. The grocery term, green shoots. Some some economists say that. I thought that would connect with some of our, uh, you know, academically minded uh, listeners. But you know, there's a few areas, and I would also say I think it very well is could be it will be a permanent shift. You know, who wants to start commuting again unless you love your office? Um, you know, which some people do. Um, but um, this, this also could help people who can't afford a home near their office. Now, who cares? They'll find another home. Um, I just was at a wedding out in a, in a small town. And, you know, I think they're all bracing for, you know, an inflow. It could really shift some things up. You just trained a lot of people that they can work from anywhere. And the ramifications of that, I'm not sure what they might be, Mo. We'll, we'll see. Um, but you got to watch consumer expenditures. I have a little comment on that later in the show. But um, I think you want to talk about Callaway. That sounds like a great, great one. I got it up on the screen here. And, uh, so, you know. So when I was an analyst in the olden days, one of the things that I took liberties with and I, and, and I was allowed to was to come up with catchy, catchy names for your research reports. So you oh, got right. You gotta have hole in one. Could Callaway be a hole? <laughs> so I don't know if it, I don't know if you if if you guys were a little more buttoned up than we were, but I not could, at all. I went for a period of about a year where I used ACDC songs for my for my research report title. Back in the saddle again. <laughs> when uh, the when there was a spinoff, I I forget which company. It was one of the media companies did a spinoff, and the research report was this Stubbs for you. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that was part of the whole game was having the, the great titles. Um, a friend of mine, I won't mention, but, you know, he had a team. And you'll appreciate this because it's from those years ago. Two guys on a team, they had the Miller Lite report. And I always thought that was a high bar. But, yeah, yep. you had to come up with something catchy. Yep. You can't yep. sell it on facts alone. You got to get some some sizzle in there. So we we said earlier that that, that – Golf is one of the things you can do in, a, in, a, in an environment where you're trying to do social distancing. People do want to get outside. They can't go to the gyms. They can't go to their spinning classes. Uh, they, can't, they can't go to the restaurants. They can't go to the bars. And, and down here, anyway, golf is taking up a lot of that slack because you're allowed to do it. So the first thing I thought was, all right, well, if I'm looking for COVID plays, let's take a look at Callaway Golf. And um, just put some things in perspective. It was March 11th that the WHO declared that there was a, a worldwide pandemic. That was the, the kind of the official start of the pandemic. And uh, Callaway was trading about twelve and a half dollars It's now, it's that over 40%. You have 10 analysts that follow it. There's another thing I want to share with you. You have 10 analysts that follow it and the, the consensus target price is about 20 bucks, which is 25% up from the current level. With a couple of people as high as $26, which is a 62% increase from the current level. Here's, what, here's another little interesting thing, because I'm not used to looking at small names like this. The, the market cap on, on this company is a, under $2 billion. Most of the names that follow it are, are pretty small firms. Cowan, Jeffries, Raymond James, Stevens, SunTrust, B. Riley. I mean, none of the big names are in it. So sometimes you can find some inefficiencies if you have smaller firms that are covering it and you don't have the bigger firms that are that are you know plastering the world with their research. And yeah, yeah. one of the little one of the little things that I thought where you might have an inefficiency here is 
Callaway owns 14% of a company that may come public called Top Golf. And Top Golf is, for a while, I remember in New York, they were trying to make bowling hip. And they were, you'd do it at night and the balls were painted fluorescent black. They had black lights and they yeah. were rock. Did it work? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, it worked in Milwaukee, I'm pretty but, sure. But top, and but, Canada, if I can get back to saying things about Canada. Yeah, if you, if you go to YouTube and you look at Top Golf, if you're not familiar with it, it's it, it's like a sports bar meets a driving range. So it's the kind of a place where you can where you can where where, where women can go and enjoy having drinks, being outside. It's at nighttime. There's there's bartenders. There's boat drinks. There's great music, and you're playing and and, and you're hitting balls. So if you just roughly, and this is very back of the envelope, if you roughly look at uh, Callaway's fourteen percent ownership of Top Golf, it's it's almost four or five bucks a share. And when you go into the sheets and you look at who's recommending it, a lot of people aren't talking about it, and that's what we always used to call hidden hidden value. Uh, and the, the, the big picture for golf was always it's an aging population. Boomers don't, it's not like mad, it's not like the, uh, the, 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 the days when dad left at seven o'clock in the morning on Saturday and came home at five o'clock at night. His wife was there waiting with his slippers and his pipe and his martini. You know, the, uh, the millennials don't do that these days. And so the concern was golf is dying. Well, there's a, it's been about a year that top golf has really been taken off. And there is a revitalization taking place. Of course, down here, there's more golf course. You could play at a different golf course every day of the year and not hit a quarter of them within 100 miles of where I live. So interesting concept, some hidden value. Um, and, you know, you know me, I like to look at what the analysts are saying. Now, you were an analyst and I was an analyst. Now, you, you, when you go out in front of a sales force of a couple of hundred stockbrokers or cases far bigger firms, thousands of stockbrokers, you put your name on a research report and you tell people to buy a stock. <laughs> if it goes yeah, down. Yeah, absolutely. They know don't want to be wrong it. about that. And uh, when you have 10 analysts and every one of them has a strong buy on that stock and you got a 25% upside, I, I, put a lot of, I put a lot of faith in those forecasts. The other thing is, and it's interesting, some listeners may not know this, company pays a four cent dividend. Why would a company pay a four cent dividend? I mean, you know the answer, right? Well, I know the answer because uh, they had an extra four cents laying around. No, they, because a lot of people can't buy it without at least some dividend, right? Exactly. It's, uh, exactly. So you got to have something there. Right. So you know it's a small cap stock because you have a dividend. Now you open the doors to be, be included in portfolios that need that kind of, and, and, and to a much smaller degree, it's a, it's a sign of confidence that management feels that they can, they can pay that dividend. They also authorize the share repurchase. They haven't used it yet. Technically, the stock looks great. I mean, it's been a, it's been a huge performer for the, last, um, for the last couple of weeks. And, um, and I haven't even looked at the fundamentals because I really don't care. It's a great story. <laughs> <laughs> Send in true momentum fashion. Well, okay. There is a lot of momentum. In fact, it's up 10% today, Mo. You picked an amazing day to pick it as a momentum guy. It's up 10% today. So I think a lot that's of, a nice... A lot of people knew we were going to be talking about it Evidently. Today. Um, someone must have... I'm sure I've noticed that. You our cleaning lady might have spilled that. 
but um, well, let me let me uh, from a value perspective, I would say a couple things about it. One, it's not that expensive, um, and one of the top line numbers I always look at just to see if there's any chance it's a good value at all, to screen it out completely without wasting any more time, is enterprise value to sales. Like if it's a hundred or 50, which a lot of things get to, biotech, things with no revenue, they get very expensive. But this one is very reasonable. It's just a little bit over one, um, which means to me, if they can get the margin going, then you have a lot of upside. Also on enterprise value to EBITDA, one of my favorite metrics, um, it's, um, let's see, I just had this up. It's, it's 14, which, uh, again, I like to do the inverse, EBITDA over enterprise value like a yield. You know, that's around 7% cash on cash. Um, now, the reason I think that's useful is simply because uh, the revenues here have been very stagnant for a long time until somewhat recently. So in 2001, the revenues were 190, 109, 290 million, and they were... 300 million in March 17. So it's just, it's been flat for a long time. Now, to your point, the last couple of years look like they're clicking up. And so with a 14 multiple, the way I look at this is I get a 7% yield just with what it's doing now, which is better than I'm going to get in other places. So I like getting that. And for those of you that, you know, want to understand the difference between a public company and a private, you think, oh, I don't really get that money. Well, no, you do, because it shows up in their cash balances. In fact, here's another thing that's interesting about this company. The cash balances are going up a lot. Now, whether it's because they're borrowing money and they're going to buy something, but, um, you know, th this guy offers a nice yield, the potential that comes from a revitalization in the sport. And, uh, you know, I think for a momentum stock, which it clearly has, it's also not a bad value. How about that, Mo? Well, you know, one of the things I tried to find today, and, and, and you were probably a part of some of these discussions with companies you took public, is you're always looking for kind of a catchy ticker symbol, like G-O-L-F. Yeah, if you couldn't get a jingle, you'd settle for a nice ticker. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, for the life of me, I couldn't figure out what E-L-Y stands for. You can Google it. Well, you know, where did that ticker symbol come from? There's something all analysts should know. Where did the ticker symbol for your stock, what does it mean? Is it, the, is it the, the, the initials of the CEO's wife? Is, it the, is there some hidden meaning in ELY? Uh, I think maybe the uh, CEO was a uh, Three Dog Night fan. That's my guess. Could be. Could be. Eli's <laughs> coming, right? Could be. Huh? Uh, but but I, I couldn't no. find it. That's I my guess. go directly to the analysts, but I think you should always Did you ask. find out. I, I couldn't find out, but G, oh. I, thought, I thought GOLF would be a great, would be good, but it's taken. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> there really is a meeting where people sit down with the, with the. Why? With I'm just going to Google it. I mean, there was a time when I didn't do this, but why is Callaway Golf's ticker E-L-Y? E-L-Y question mark. And this is really a little, you know, field research on Google as a search engine, right? It's like, if you can't answer that. Let's see, because I could uh, Then how good are you? Mm. I came up with nothing. Nothing. Yeah. Sorry. Well, okay. 
Duck, duck, go has an opening right there. Well, you well, know, well that's a pretty good one, Mo. I think here's a stump the analyst question. You call up the analyst who's a, who's the axe on this stock at Cowan, and you say, "I've got a question for you." And he's sure that he's got everything nailed down. He's gone like you. He's gone through the fundamentals. He knows the book value. He knows the balance sheet. And you say, "Why is it called ELY?" And I bet you he doesn't know. Well, I can tell you the guys that cover this. Uh, yeah. Cowan, I won't name them, that's not nice, but Cowan, SunTrust, B. Riley, Roth, which is a really nice firm. Anyway, yeah, someone should know, that's a good point. Those guys are looking, email us. It's important to know. Uh, Yeah, okay, well, that's cool. So we got some some, uh, consensus here. You like the fundamentals, you think it's cheap, I like the story. I don't know anything about the fundamentals, I think that works. Well, this stock was a lot more expensive, you know, and so it's, it's one of these things that's coming out of COVID, as I said in the past, you know, chaos is an analyst friend. It's like when everything's cool and you just need to buy the S&P 500, it's like, hey, let's just pay Vanguard and go to golfing. But um, all of a sudden, everything's down and, you know, the passive stuff's off kilter. And, you know, Mo, that's why we're back, right? Do a little research. And I think that whole hidden value concept um, I mean, who knows? After listening to this show, there's probably the guy over at Cowan's going to go, hey, listen to this. We have a chance to raise some money here. Yeah, yeah. because they do have a little, if there is a rub on them, they could uh, pay off a little debt. So maybe maybe a little IPO, a little secondary, pay off, use of proceeds, pay off the debt. And, right? and, you know, we don't have time to do it on the show, but you would, if you, if you were really doing research, you'd take that you take a really good look at Top Golf. You take the four dollars per share that's built, that's baked in, that they own. Yeah. You take that out and you redo all of your, all your enterprise value numbers, all your price to book numbers, all your fundamental numbers, and I think you'd come up with something even cheaper. But there's, there's your name. You that's did. That's awesome, work. Mo. And I. You know, uh, I'm feeling a little bad because uh, I know I pulled you out of retirement off the boat. I mean, it sounds like you had to even do some homework on this, unless that's all from a friend on a on the course. I hope you're not like at the library or anything. <laughs> no, I, I don't think the library's open. <laughs> not open. That was a trick question. Okay. Well, I do have a couple of stocks. Um, and, um, you know, please write in uh, if the sound isn't good. We're trying something different. Mo has a super professional. Uh, if we, I'd love to put up video, but then, of course, your secret identity. Uh, and then, of course, you got a secret voice altering um, technology on that mic, of course. But it really looks pretty cool, Mo, I got to say. Uh, I'm going to be uh, experimenting next week with a little echo. A little echo. Yeah, that looks nice. Well, I did a screen. So you've got a nice uh, momentum stock there. Um, I ran a simple screen, uh, a relative value screen this week. Um, so simple. So simple. Um, it, it want, I, want the, I want the relative dividend yield. Uh, this is to the, uh, uh, to the S&P 500. I want the relative dividend yield to be better than the average. I want the P.E. ratio to be below the average. Simple, right? I want the price to sales ratio. I mean, this is old school. Below the average. I want the return on equity. Guess which above or below average. Let me guess. Let me guess. Guess the screen. Just give me a minute. Below. I'm going to guess below. Below 
is, uh, let me, no, above, return on equity, average. Return on assets, also above, and relative profit margin, above, yes. So, now, there's 7,000 public companies. Try to guess how many stocks got through that. It's the simplest of screens. It's like trying to get into the hot sorority party at my college. It seems simple, but how many? Ever I'll get. tell you, 58. That was it? Out of 7,000 public companies, only 58 get through a better dividend yield, a, a, a lower PE ratio, a lower price sales ratio, a lower price to book ratio, a higher return on equity, higher return on assets, higher margin. 58. Wow. How do you take that 58 down? What's your next screen? Well, then what I did was I looked at them and I started to think about which ones I could talk about that would require the least amount of work on my part. That was once I got to the 58. And, and that's a little bit of a subjective uh, approach that I, I can't encourage all the listeners to use. You might want to. But um, the fact is, when you get as old as, as me, I won't speak for you, Mo, but I know a lot of these names. So what do we want to do? To your point earlier, we want to think about what's the future hold for us. So there's a bunch of office furniture stocks that make it through. Pass, right? I mean, office. I think that's old school. Yeah. They go the way of the dinosaur. Yeah, we don't have that. Um, and then there's also um, some, you know, oil and gas LPs. They've been really crushed. And I think that um, in part, you got to worry about the longtime tax benefits that whole sector's enjoyed that's buoyed the valuation, which is, you know, subject for another show, maybe. And also, energy prices are down. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, we've got pipelines and stuff that might be going different places than there. So I, I just, there's too much going on there. Um, a couple of raw material guys, but then there's two that I really liked a lot, super a lot, Mo. Um, yeah. <laughs> one, and it's also a COVID play a little bit, Snap-on Tools. Um, they're down because people stopped driving, but their primary customers are, you know, industrial repair shops for industrial processes. You don't have a lot of snap-on tools in the home, you know. So that's, a, I think, a little bit of a misperception that we could take advantage of. And then the other one that I liked was Mueller Water. Again, there's been a big freeze-up in a lot of new activity. But, um, you know, we have a lot of reasons that we're going to see a big infrastructure play. Basically, they do industrial water systems, and it's a price that it rarely gets to. So let me start with Snap-on. I don't want to take a lot of time. We all have other things to do. Um, but Snap-on Tools, you know, it's at, uh, it's around 140 bucks. It just a few months ago, and it was 170 in 2018. It's off the low of 106, so we've already missed, uh, which it hit on March 24th, we've already missed a big move. But what I really like about this company is it's just been a long time, very stable performer. Um, they're very high service levels. It's in a very stable industry. It's all about miles driven, more and more 
traffic comes through trucks, even with rail, it's coming the last mile in trucks. They've been improving their balance sheet. It's always been clean. Debt to EBITDA is, is one, which is very low. There's almost no risk of default or bankruptcy here. They have a very clean balance sheet. Their return on assets is 12%, which is, again, in rarefied air. Um, return on capital, 15%. Again, ladies and gentlemen, this is not a number you normally see. This is at the high end. Operating margin, 23%. These numbers tell you they're doing something just exemplary, which is a service. They, you know, they have a fleet of franchised owners. It's capitalism at work. Each of those owners is empowered to go into you know, every nook and cranny on their route that might need a tool. And they've always managed profit margins. The interesting thing about this one, Mo, is right now, and I'm looking at literally 40 years of history, they're right at their absolute peak profit margin. It's off a little bit due to COVID, but it's 14.6. The peak is 15. 10 years ago, it was, you know, half that level. So it's really been impressive uh, in that regard. And so as an operating firm, it's awesome. And then in terms of the valuation, I'll just say it's never cheap. It's never cheap. Um, right now it's eight times EBITDA, which it, it's, it, the last time it was this cheap was in 2011. So it's a rare thing. Um, you know, miles driven at trucks are a little bit down too. There's a lot of reasons people get nervous about this. It's a perfect time to buy it. Eight times is sort of 12% cash on cash, the way I think about it. Um, and I, I just, uh, I think it's a stable, uh, cheap equity. What do you think about that, Mo? Well, here's, a, here's one way to look at it. I just pulled up the five-year chart. Yeah. 2015, it peaked at 170. 2016, it peaked at 170. 2017, it peaked out at 169. 2018, it peaked out at 170. 2019, somewhere around 150. 2020, peaked out at 170. So it's, I mean, it consistently. Huh, let's guess the peak. How about that? Guess the next peak. So if, 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 if the past is any indication of the future and this thing hits 170, you get 25% upside. So buy the stock. Yeah, that? Okay. yeah that? but, um, and of course, um, while Mo hasn't been drinking, um, do your own homework. As well. Uh, because Mo's training, if I'm not mistaken. So got to take it easy. Okay, the other one I wanted to do, and I'll do this quickly. I see all the listeners have to go. I think Phil has to go, probably. How can you see that? Um, he's busy as well. But then the second one is Mueller Water. Um, this one is not, you know, quite the same um, specific connection to COVID other than a lot of industrials are down just on GDP being down. Okay, so the peak on this stock was actually back in 2017, 2016 at 14 bucks. Right now it's nine. The lowest it got was 820 on the low March 24th. So it hasn't recovered that much. Um, it's just a super solid industrial. They get dialed into just their share of industrial projects. It's a, you know, their return on capital is 10%. That tells you they're doing something because if someone could try to take some of that share, they would, you know, um, because that's a great return. They have um, return on assets of 8%. I mean, for an industrial company, again, you know that they're doing something proprietary. Otherwise, um, 
you know, that would get competed away. Their financial debt to EBITDA, two times. What does that tell me? You know, they're not going anywhere. They're dialed in. Um, debt to capital is a very manageable 40%. With high margins and low uh, interest rates, that's very comfortable in a way that even five or 10 years ago, 40% would have seemed too high. Their operating margin is 13%. I mean, I want to call somebody and, and, and cheer for this company. It's that good. And then um, I guess the other metric I'd say is the valuation. I mentioned eight times EBITDA, but it's also just one time sales. So if they imagine to, if they, uh, if they manage to improve their operating margin, then there's, and, and they're already eight times EBITDA. In other words, there's no hopes and dreams into the multiple. If they manage to improve the margin, this thing has even more upside in it than it already looks like. And um, I think it's just a, a nice cheap industrial. We've got these uh, infrastructure packages coming. It's a world of needs, not wants. I've been saying this a long time. It was never more obvious than during COVID. One thing I know we're going to need, even when we're all underground, Mo, clean water. I mean, what's going to run your hot tub other than clean water? You don't use dirty water, I'm quite sure. What do you mean? No under, one does. What do, you, what do you mean underground? You're not underground yet? Well, that's where society's probably going, I think. No, that's for another show. That's another show. Okay, so those are our three ideas. Callaway Golf, uh, Snap-on, and I think uh, Mueller Water. So, and, um, and now we'll take a short break. We'll be back with just a couple of comments about paging through national economic trends right after this. everybody we're back hope you used your break wisely um and i don't know did did you did you do anything interesting during the break mo <laughs> <laughs> nothing that no. nothing that we can say on air that's true okay well the screen did go blank there for a minute okay well uh this is the section of the show we call paging through national economic trends because we started the show in the 50s when there were just pages um First, and I meant to do this at the top of the show, but let's just, what the heck's going on in the market? Why are the value guys even back, right? Well, here's the reason. Year to date, and this is June 29th, 2020, if I didn't mention that earlier, the Russell 2000 value index, which is the one I care about, is down, uh, well, it was down 27% as of Friday. It was up 4% today. So that's around negative 23%. That's terrible. Terrible. And just, Mo, here, here's one for you. The Russell 2000 growth is down, oh, wait a minute, uh, 4%. Russell 2000 growth down 4, Russell 2000 value down 23. This is the biggest gap in probably 10 or 20 years where Growth is just crushing value. In the large cap space, let me quote these numbers for you, Mo. And, and you actually may have them because I didn't write these down. But as of yesterday, 
the Russell 3000 value, which is, you know, the big one, all the stocks, the value, the lower end of the price to book, down 19%. I think it was up one or something today. So down 18 year to date, Russell 3000 value. The Russell 3000 growth up seven or something year to date, yeah, right? Back off because we talked about this earlier. Now, the way that that's calculated, in your opinion, is it's, a, it's an obsolete calculation. So why that index, I mean, I know it's down, but why that index is principally driven by price to book in this environment, that doesn't make any sense. Can, can, does that obsolete the whole concept of that index, the, the 3000 value index? Well, I mean, that's a super good question, Mo, because Russell, a company in Washington, um, you know, they've built a big business around these indices and they've done the industry a favor to hold money managers accountable to just a, a plain average. In other words, if you can't beat an average, maybe you shouldn't get an excessive fee. So in that sense, Russell did a great thing. And when they created these indices, you know, book value seemed like a good number to, you know, if the market thought it was worth less than book, maybe it was a value if it thought it was look. So it made sense at the time. But what happened was the accountants started writing down book. What does that do? Two things. It gives you a tax break because you've just, you know, written down something that gets into your income statement. It's a loss. And it helps the return on equity, which a lot of managers base their comp on. So, like, you know, there was no incentive in the company to not write down the book. You know, it was just like, no one cared. Let's write it down, Joey. Okay. So as a result, but meantime, Russell had a big business. So if you go to their site, they're trying like mad to bring out other indices, factor-based indices, other things, but you still have trillions of dollars managed in index funds that are tracking these big picture, big picture indices. So it's a, it's a real struggle. To your point, Mo, Book value only matters in those industries where they're trying to mark to market. So banks, right. insurance companies, book value actually means the market value, the liquid market value. Um, and so as a result, all those companies get into the value indices. There are also companies that have wildly overcapacity when you can just go online and do stuff and you don't need all the buildings and, you know, and we've had bank shows where we talk about that. So I think these value indices are hindered by their, um, you know, their, their over-reliance on banks and financials and that is their flaw. So my advice to, to people is simply to X out the financials from their evaluation. Don't avoid value, just avoid financials in the screens you might do for value. There are some good financials and we own some, but that's to my mind what's, what's messing up these uh, index values. But in any case, uh, value is uh, in the tank this year, growth in the ascension. Any, you know, any momentum fans should be, should be happy about that, Mo. There you go. And then um, two quick comments. I know I'm keeping everyone late. Um, and I got to go as well. Something's probably burning. Two quick comments on Fred. Fred is the, uh, you know, St. Louis Federal Reserve database. And obviously, we're all thinking about COVID, what the hell's going on, what's going to happen to the economy. I think it's going to be fine. We just had a tornado wash over us. We're all going to come out of the bunkers. And a couple of data points I'll just mention. Uh, real gross domestic product just came out. <clears throat> 
from four days ago, June 25th updated. Q1 down 5%. So that's not the full COVID effect, but it's, uh, it, it's, a, it's about half a month or a month of it, minus five. The worst in the, his, in the past was down eight. I do think a minus 20 is coming, but this was better than expected. And then the other one uh, was real personal consumption. We are getting a more current number on this for Q1, and that's a minus four. We are looking for a minus eight to nine for Q2, but again, this was not as bad as feared. So I'd say to people, keep your eye on the data. The, uh, the point of view of, of Fred a few weeks ago was, or maybe a month ago, was a V-shaped recovery. And that's still, despite all the concern about, we were talking earlier, shutting the bars and this and that in Florida and some other places, the death rates are consistent with the notion that we aren't going to have a second wave of, of pressure on GDP. That'd be what I'm, I'm uh, my best guess now, Mo. And you know, the reason you, the reason you retire and move to Palm Beach is to pursue personal consumption. It's your civic duty at this point. I mean, sometimes it's just, it's simply a hobby personal consumption here. But at this point with, with the, with the two Q numbers looking so bad, it's your civic duty to get out there and start. Well, what are you seeing down there? Are people, uh, are they rising to the cause Mo and you know, getting out and uh, you know, doing their share? They never slowed down. The, the Bentley yeah. dealership is doing gangbuster business and you know, the, the you need a new car every six months. And so that, uh, that keeps the, the consumption moving. How about uh, plantings? Uh, landscaping. That's always an indicator down there. Well, <laughs> landscaping is, is, is an indicator that's true. And of course, what's happening down here is you buy a $40 million house and it's a teardown. And then you, so that employs quite a few people to rebuild that. And there's four of those going on, a little over 40 million per, per home that's being completely torn down and redone. So, I mean, if you've got the money, why not spend it? You can't take it with you. You know, I don't want to, um, it could be that you're in a little bit of a bubble down there, Mo. Has it occurred to you? Um, you know, um, how's the, uh, how's everything going now, you know, in, in terms of people getting out and around? Are, are, are people, are you a mask area or a non-mask or? You know, when you, when your house is 40,000 square feet, you don't need to go out. You can get lost. There are people who have been lost in some of these houses for you know a day, two, three days. They send in search and rescue. They find them with dogs. So, <laughs> uh, no, it's, it's, wow. Problems when when your place can get so big, you really can get lost. Yeah, and so, that's not actually a joke. But I mean, I hope I hope those people you know are all safe. That's my main concern. And, and, so, and they're indoors, and they don't need to be anywhere else because indoors is 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 pretty luxurious. Well, that's, um, and hopefully if they can ratchet up, they can, they can compensate for the whole rest of the country. <laughs> well, thanks for that uh, frontline report, Mo. And um, I just want to uh, thank everyone for listening in. This has been another complete waste of time. Uh, episode of the value guys, number 304 or 305. I'm not sure. Um, we had three good ideas this week. Please write in, call us www.thevalueguys.com. You can write me at val at thevalueguys.com. We're on uh, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and um, I think we might have a representative on the space station if Mo has uh, finalized that uh, 
deal, but we can talk about that offline. Um, thanks for listening in, everybody. Any last words, Mo? We'll see you next week for 305.